Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Mark Cranach is on assignment. Where that assignment is, I don't know. But it is uh, It is important. He'll be missed, but he'll be back. Elijah, good to see you, brother. How you doing? Can't complain. I woke up on a Saturday morning. Uh, knocked out <laughs> another couple hours of my audio book last night, so I only have about an hour and a half left in the two towers. That's always good stuff. Yeah, uh, but the main thing is I'm awake on a Saturday morning. Tottenham Hotspur is up 2-1 at the half against Everton. I'm locked in with this show, so I'm not going to be able to catch the second half, unfortunately, but feeling good at the half and uh, ready to rock a weekend edition of Hail Varsity. Yep, got rolling about 6.15 this morning. Good night's sleep. Now, we were at the Herdats Sports Bar and Grill Gretna location yesterday. That was awesome to see that spot. Invite you out just off 204th Avenue if you're uh, making your way uh, through Gretna. And really just a uh, good setup. Really cool to see a number of the Southwest parents, basketball folks that made their way up there playing Elkhorn East last night. Got the win there. And uh, it was it was just uh, pretty good. Came home, ate healthily, <laughs> which was a change on a Friday night, and got great sleep. So yeah, we're uh, coffee and water in this morning, and lot to get to. We'll hit some recruiting thoughts in the 2025 quarterback race. Uh, a new offer Thursday that Brian Christofferson reports from 2024. Uh, excuse me, 24 7. Uh, uh, Brandon checks in this morning. Mark is out finding the 2024 five star quarterback a wideout. You know, Cranack could be good at that. Cranack's uh, is, is multi talented in the media realm, in the communication field, and just a, an overall great hang uh, for 20 plus years. <laughs> he is absolutely. Uh, the guy that could broker that deal. So maybe Brandon is on to something. We'll get you starting five. We'll get your roll call 
this morning. And as always, weekend edition, non-football season streaming, 745. And I think we are on the nose or close to it on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. You can find us on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio, Facebook on KFOR, KFOR Twitter. So those are the platforms you can tell a buddy about. Give us a review. Give us a like. If you want to critique, we're absolutely open to those arrows. Eric checks in first. Brandon second. Jacko. Make that Jocko. Jocko. uh, Bronze in at third. He says bronze, not me. Walter uh, from outside Philadelphia checks in. Uh, 69th, his favorite number. (laughs) Drunk Monk says, good morning, sup. Good to see you, Drunk Monk. And uh, Rick says, good morning. Roger has checked in as well. Her Dizzle says, what's up? And then Tim also says, good morning. So we are beyond the starting five, which is fine. Uh, We kind of let it get to the starting five, the first five in. And then uh, we kind of round out uh, who is Part of the, that 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 role off the bench, Nebraska getting monster minutes and points in production from C.J. Wiltshire. That was the story of the week. Nebraska shocking uh, Wisconsin, not just upsetting number six, but how they came back to do it. Nineteen. If you left early, if you were there at PBA, uh, we're not going to judge. But you missed an incredible comeback. You probably had a beer in your hand rooting saying, man, I shouldn't have left early. Is is that a a thing in in your family, Elijah, when you go to sporting events, leaving early? Yeah. No, No, me neither. Never, never, ever, even to the bitter end of some hard fought and uh, disappointing defeats. The Schmidt family never left early. See, in, in, in for my family, especially with my dad, it was never about the fandom. It was always, damn it, we bought these tickets. We're going to see the whole game. (laughs) We are going to get our money's worth whether we want a refund or not. That's fair. That's that's exactly that. The only time I remember growing up that we ever came close to to leaving a game was that Nebraska-Ohio State 2011 first uh, inaugural game in the Big Ten. And it wasn't because of the game. The game was partly to blame. But it's cold, it's rainy, kind of hellish weather. Nebraska's down big at the half. We brought my uncle, uh, who, who lives out in Denver, we, we brought him to that football game, and he was kind of on the fence about it. He's like, all right, this kind of sucks. My dad was not enjoying the weather. My brother and I, we said, no, no. We're going to stick it out for this game. Might as well at least make it to the end of the third quarter. The weather's not that bad, and got to see a comeback there. So didn't leave against Wisconsin. In basketball, didn't leave against Ohio State in football way back when. It's, that's that's probably up there for the two biggest comebacks in both football and basketball history. It's up there. I don't, I don't have the uh, the encyclopedia next to me as far as biggest comebacks in Nebraska basketball history. I know that they were down fourteen to North Dakota earlier this year. So this is the largest comeback this season. This was the largest comeback since uh, coming back from down 19 against Iowa in 2013. I remember that. Was that the uh, that? Yeah, that was that was an insane overtime where Glenn went off for Nebraska against Iowa. I remember that. That was that was pretty big. Um, let's let's look up the old box score. 
What does the uh, tape of Hoiberg commenting on fans leaving early? When does it get leaked? Who <laughs> <laughs> does ask an important question? I don't think Fred goes there. Uh, Brandon, I think there's a lot of you there. I have left the football team in Scott's tenure three times after the third quarter. Yeah, there there was some some fans that were fighting with their fandom during the frost era, just because of how the games went down. Um, and Eric nails it. And you touched on it, Elijah. And that's a big part of my love for sports was all the, all the games my, my dad took me to when I was a kid and, and growing up. And Eric says, I went uh, with my dad growing up and I take my son now, no better way to bond. And you're a thousand percent right. I have not taken Junior. He's sawing logs downstairs. He's not screaming obscenities playing video games quite yet. But I haven't taken Junior to as many Nebraska events. But his mom, uh, Mama Bear, goes with him, especially when Michigan State comes to town. So they'll they'll hit that. And he goes with, with his buddies. Somehow, some way, dirties his way into – the uh, the booster section. So he's if he goes, he finds his way into a suite. <laughs> and and I never found that art form. It was always West Balcony pre uh, press box expansion for me. But it was it was it was awesome. It was memorable, always memorable, and it was a great era to go. But yeah, the leaving early part, people just had seen enough and, and you see it sometimes if it, in, in some of the years past with basketball, you, um, you, you see folks, it empties out. Tim miles would commented, would comment on it. He comment to it, to his guys in the huddle, dude, they're leaving early <laughs> play better. <laughs> if you're just getting drilled by somebody, David checks in from Vegas uh, David, thank you so much. Good show yesterday. Wiltshire and Hoiberg in the starting lineup. Uh, we're, we're, we were talking about that a little bit yesterday. There's a reason we um, don't make the money that Fred Hoiberg makes, so I wouldn't take our opinion as yeah. fact by any way, shape, or form. But we've seen a lot of Nebraska basketball, and, and when I see Wiltshire and, and Hoiberg, I see two guys that are just absolute spark plugs that I, I think you want to get more minutes out of. And I'm not mm-hmm. a, a, uh, an expert basketball brain by any means, but I feel like you can see the impact that they bring on the floor from the outside looking in. <laughs> Uh, I, I just can't believe it at that. Here, I, here's here's what you you made, and we're just speculating. Eric, shout out from North Carolina. He's hoping Nebraska. What are the the regions they're projected in if they stay in? Right, there's still February. We'll get to, but Charlotte is is one region you've seen them projected. Uh, you've seen them projected in Pittsburgh. You've seen them projected in Dayton pre Wisconsin win. You've seen them projected. I saw one pairing where they're in, they're in Omaha as a, as a as a ten seven, which would be awesome. And if they win that, if they get there, they they'd get KU, <laughs> which would be fun. That'd be incredible. David also has a uh, uh, first touchdown uh, prop for us as he's in Vegas. Take a shot, Mahomes twenty four to one, Scantling thirty three to one. Yeah, is it Super Bowl week? It's all Walt- scripted. It's all scripted. We've talked about it before on the show. Kelsey's going to get the first touchdown, so we can get that cut to Taylor in the box. We all know it's coming. I, right. <laughs> I, I think it is a, a Kelsey touchdown if if we're going there. Uh, say what's up to, to Dion. Uh, 
yesterday was fun. Elijah, you uh, set the tone right before the Friday forecast as we both whiffed on Creighton Butler last night yeah, in our uh, picks. It should be noted, you should most likely pick against Texas. Right. That, that game's today, uh, right? Not last night? You know, it's it's today. The, the point of this, though, is the rumplement that, mm. that you delivered me because I picked wrong and I picked Wisconsin to win. So there we have it. Uh, we had Rumpelman shots right before when we were hearing the Kent Pavelka tribute. And uh, thank goodness there's no uh, three-second footage of me on, on Twitter yet because I think Elijah will get his, his editing knife out and, and maybe make fun of me. I, did, I didn't so, want to throw you under the bus last night. I was, go, I was going through the video, and it was pretty funny. I, I, it'll come back at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but now is not that time. We'll, we'll we'll find the right time to use that. Yeah. Well, Brandon makes a great point. Can we get K State to clean up the rest of their schedule? Uh, we'll see how they fare today, and then they have big Monday against Kansas. And this is Kansas coming off a uh, a showdown with another number one seed. Uh, that is Houston today. So a lot of college basketball to check in on. We'll get to some football with Brandon Vogel, but. The, there's plenty of questions here in the stream. Weston checks in. Tuck is in as well. How does the room smell there, Elijah? We're asking in reference to Will Wilson and his uh, inferno wing eating yesterday. Not bad. No, it's fine. It's, the door's shut. He left the uh, he left the antacid tablets in here. <laughs> Will Will left a different kind of gift for us. Jokes on him. Uh, they're kind of tasty. No, they're not bad, uh, to be honest. I was kind of popping so, things like candy before the show. <laughs> so let's let's dive into to some hoy ball here. Nebraska basketball, we'll get to some recruiting in a moment. Promise you, Brandon Vogel from Counter Reed is going to be with us in about five minutes. The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, will join us. And uh, as always, subscribe to the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Check that out and uh, subscribe to that all the content you want that's where the podcasts are posted in video form spotify itunes google play uh, i look at nebraska and are you going to tweak the lineup are you going to do something different for a different result on the road uh and and, and jocko asks anything any thoughts about bringing kise off the bench we wrestled with this a little bit yesterday I don't know how he'll respond. Now, the, the the need is to start better. They started well against Maryland with their typical starting lineup. They didn't have Gary, of course, and that's a big difference. But you get Gary back in the lineup, that'll be big And as, as a starter. And maybe you look at one, but not both, right? Maybe – Maybe you you go ahead and and look at at Sam. You keep Wiltshire as that sixth man, and maybe your your perimeter D improves a little bit, or at least just any flow an opposing opposing point guard can get into uh, is 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 delayed just a little bit by Sam. Maybe you just roll with what you've been winning with, and that's what our, our dear friend Bill Dolman talked about. Don't overthink it. Keep going with what you've been doing and and just hope for better response from this basketball team from a toughness standpoint for 40 minutes, not five minutes, not seven minutes against Maryland. When, when adversity strikes and momentum shifts, 
can you flip it around and, and battle back? And they've done that. I mean, they, they've been good enough to build leads on the road against teams they should beat. They've not closed. They've also come all the way back from a major ass kicking by Iowa early. And they took the lead at some point. I think it was 51 to 50. They took the lead at Iowa City. But and, and you're not going to win every road game. You're just asking for one or two. And there's a comment in the uh, the, the stream here that touches on that that, you know, that no team has ever made the tournament with zero conference road wins. So you got to go get one or two. Um, and and it and, and her dizzle asks, you know, well, I'm not sure what more they need to do when we talk CJ and Sam need to do to start. I think it's more of a role than just an. Uh, a starting standpoint. And the, the one thing I want to add about that is there's enough people out there asking the question, are those guys going to start that? I am sure it is going through Hoiberg's mind, but those two guys are also mature enough. And, and uh, during the week I spent on, on heard at sports radio back a, a couple, about a month mm-hmm. ago, uh, along with some of our conversations with Jacob Padilla, both better basketball minds than myself. They both kind of bring up the point. You know what? It doesn't matter pretty much. Who starts the game? It matters who finishes. Who finishes the game? And you look at the stats from Nebraska, Wisconsin. I think CJ and Sam are both mature enough to to understand that. With Sam being the coach's son, and CJ with all the time he's put in around here to understand, it's more important who finishes the game. If you look at the minutes, I mean, you had 22 minutes from Hoiberg off the bench. Who that's more minutes than both Jamarcus Lawrence and Casey. Uh, then you also had CJ Wilcher put in 28 minutes off the bench, more minutes than both Jamarcus Lawrence and, and Casey. So that, though they didn't start the game you could make the argument they were pretty much your starting lineup, especially down the stretch. You get into That's the who you half. rolled with. That's who you rolled with. I think those guys are mature <laughs> enough to understand that just because you're not in the starting five doesn't mean you're not one of the most five impactful players. I don't think they need that, that confirmation of being in the starting lineup. My only question is, is you look at the start that they had there. Can you, can you try to get a, a better start uh, on the road against Illinois by putting those guys in the starting lineup? But I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to not see a change. I wouldn't be surprised to see a change. There's my right down the middle lukewarm take. Uh, I can't be wrong. But uh, it's it's not the most exciting thing for radio on a Saturday morning. But that's, again, my point. I don't think these guys are going to get caught up in that, whether or not they're in the starting lineup, whether that's going to lead to points or not. Hoiberg's going to roll with the five that gives him the best chance down the stretch. Here's the other part of that. We welcome Brandon Vogel in from Counter Reed and Drunk Monk chimes in. The good thing about Nebraska's rotation is that Hoiberg trusts a lot of guys to play. Yeah, I went back and, uh, and, and checked very that, true. that Nebraska-Iowa game from back in 2011 that I was referencing, 2013 that I was referencing. Uh, Nebraska, outside of their starting lineup, had 12 minutes between three bench guys. That was all. Uh, you had Siobhan Shields play 37 minutes that game. Uh, and again, this is the comeback. They were down 19 points or 17 points against Iowa and, and uh, came back. Uh, Siobhan Shields had 37. Uh, Brandon Ubel had 37 minutes. Dylan Talley had 39 minutes. Ray Gallegos had 40 minutes. He played every single I loved minute. Ray Gallegos. And then you also had uh, David Rivers with 35 minutes ah, in that basketball Rivers game. Rivers was money. I liked Rivers. And that, that was Bones. the game, if you remember, where, uh, sorry, just to add it in, Dylan Talley hit that big shot down at the end to give Nebraska a three-point lead and really seal the victory. I'm, I'm forgetting his last name, but there was a Glenn from Illinois that came in with Roby. Might have been the uh, just a couple Watson. Years following. Glenn Watson. Glenn Watson. Thank you. Glenn went off against Iowa. There was another monster comeback against the, the Hawkeyes. Vogues, we're, we're playing with Fred's lineup here. And 
there's guys that I think could could enter in, i.e. Wiltshire, i.e. Hoiberg, uh, that that we're toying with. <laughs> I don't know that Kise could handle a demotion. I think going from these last game struggles we're talking, and I think Dolman nailed the the five, the seven, the three. Those are his scoring tallies the last three games. And we, we but he hit some some big shots. I go back to Northwestern though. I mean he he daggered that bastard and had I think thirteen. So that was his last double digit scoring. Uh, Walter wants to know what cocktail I'm drinking out of the Stanley Cup. Uh, it is just water. Uh, it is a promise. You. It's just water. It's it's only uh, um, it's only eight oh six Central Time. I, I'm I'm out of practice for the uh, the early tailgate run. But what are your thoughts, folks? First, uh, wow, uh, with the win over Wisconsin, pretty awesome, incredible environment. Uh, B. Have you ever left games early when you were wearing the fan hat? And then, C, do you tweak the lineup? Um, good morning. Let's see. <laughs> uh, I, I'll try to – I'm not going to go in order here. Have I left games early? Yeah, I was a <clears throat> partial season ticket holder, meaning I didn't have the whole season for uh, the Boston Celtics when they were basically oh, tanking. Wow. Uh, 2006, <laughs> seven. I mean, and I, I forget who they're even trying to get at that point. Um, could go back and look it up, but point is they weren't trying real hard to be real good. Um, so some of those, some of those midweek January night games uh, in, in frosty Boston, uh, where the Celtics were seemingly down like 18 points instantly. Yeah. I probably left one or two of those early. Um, because you know I lived there, and uh, and I had at that point, and I had uh, had plenty more games to go to. So if uh, if there wasn't reason to stay, I, I would beat the I would beat the traffic home on on that one. Uh, tweaking the roster, where you are for <laughs> for a reason, I guess. I mean it's 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 working, and I think we've seen. Well, we certainly saw it against Wisconsin. Um, it, it's kind of I think your point is would putting putting Wilcher in the starting lineup, uh, you know, Robbie Hubble on BTN said after that game, like CJ may have just locked up six, six man a year, which I think a lot of us could, could see that being the case. Could the lineup, could Tominaga handle a, a demotion? I don't think you, I don't think you even need to risk it because you, you know, you can bring Wilcher in, uh, you know, you've got Hoiberg, like the, the bench boost is, and I'm not talking to Nebraska, I think for any team is probably, well, I don't know if big time coaches undervalue it, but from like an observer slash fan perspective might be undervalued. If you're like, well, if a guy's your third leading scorer off the bench, why doesn't he start? Well, I mean, maybe, maybe he's better in those situations, but it's, it's nice to have something that you can count on the way Nebraska has been able to with wheelchair for the most part coming off the bench. So I'd say, I'd say, let it ride. Go with the lineup you've got. You feel like you've got a rotation that that works, and and you've got some really good players who, who you know what they're going to bring for the most part coming off the bench. Brandon, uh, on a different note here, a lot of people in the stream talking about the nice, uh, the best cocktail to start your morning. If you are drinking all day, 
what is the best cocktail to start your morning? I don't think we can go Bloody Mary. That'd be not great radio. Everyone's going to say Bloody Mary. If you want to go there, you can. But it's true. Yeah, it's... Uh, I've always it, been it, a fan it, of the well, Irish coffee, personally. Yeah, see, I've never... I, I like Jameson, it. or or what do you put in the Irish coffee? Uh, whatever you got. Okay. <laughs> um, You've heard it's yeah, saying coffee with a splash of brandy is the breakfast of champions. I've got some some brandy from uh, Western Nebraska. Oh, see, this, see now I haven't I haven't tried brandy because the the coffee coffee cocktails have never totally worked for me. I'm not a, I'm just not a huge fan of Bailey's or the Ilk. And while I do like whiskey or bourbon, like I don't feel like the the flavors have ever gone that well with coffee. Uh, I don't do tomato juice. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, uh, orange beer might be the best bet for me, actually. Um, you know, if you're starting early on a, on a Saturday morning for an 11 AM kickoff, that's probably the way I would go. Or, well, I think we, I think this came up previously, uh, when talking to you guys for a Saturday show, you know, you could definitely go with coffee Porter or something. I mean, if you're going to have an orange Mm. beer, Mm. then, you know, and it's, say it's October, uh, you could go that route too. How about a uh, uh, a vodka Red Bull? Is that too aggressive for your your morning drinking? <laughs> that that <laughs> is blackout juice, man. <laughs> too many weddings. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I see I see where you're going there, uh, Elijah. For, uh, I don't want to speak for Chris, uh, but I'll, I'll speak for myself. At this stage in my life, I think my my vodka Red Bull days are over. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, Elijah, that's like benching your five-star quarterback and putting in a tight end. <laughs> Bloody Marys are a key part of the Saturday morning tailgate. See, that they might just be, just be my a- own PTSD from Broncos fans calling for Taysom Hill, uh, getting him in free agency this offseason, which is re- replacing your, your great quarterback with a tight end. So maybe that's uh, the literal uh, perfect uh, example, actually, for, for what I've been going through this offseason. Uh, quick shout out to our friend Eric, sponsor plug for my race team, Sugarland Shine, makes incredible ego sipping moonshine. Bang! I had a bad experience in South Dakota with moonshine one night. Uh, <clears throat> off, so, the off the record? No, I, I mean I was with a bunch of coaches. Hey, try this! I was the play-by-play guy for for Dakota State. <laughs> Let's just say Saturday morning shift was interesting. Uh, that was probably that was probably that was probably real like black market moonshine at that point, right? That was like yeah, the guy had a, t- a legit tub in his upstairs, and he had uh, enough room to have. Well, this bathroom we really don't use to shower, but this is where I make my shine, and it was it was diesel. It was brutal. <laughs> Uh, imagine the reaction. So what got this drinking thing kicked off is uh, we went from steak and a beer bed to, all right, you you do your shot of shame, right? We did a shot of shame. I did yesterday on Friday's show because I picked against Nebraska steak and a beer bed turned into, all right, shot, loser has to take a shot. Well, it was supposed to be out of this Texas mug, but we were up at the old Herdat Sports we, Bar and Grill yesterday, so it didn't so, make yeah. much sense to bring the Texas mug. So if whoever's wrong Monday will take a shot out of the the Longhorn mug as part of that shot of shame. And Scotty, our, our dear friend, our, our longtime listener, whenever he comes to our road shows, you've met Scott before from Shields, 
he uh he buys us rumple mints because <laughs> that's his thing and i mean in my reaction to the rumple i i just i can't do it, uh, it it's right up there with the, the black licorice uh type uh type booze shot not a so, Jaeger guy no hell no spring break ruined that uh. <laughs> it should be noted when i went up to the bar to order those shots yesterday i said yeah i need a nasty shot and she goes uh, I, I need more than that. Like, what do you think? And I said, Rumplemints. And she goes, Rumplemints is delicious. That's not a nasty shot. And I said, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, back to sports, <laughs> Vogues. We've kind of solved the uh, don't risk it. That's a, a solid uh, take on Nebraska basketball. As you look into February, and I'll pull up the, the big red schedule. We'll also get your thoughts on some recruiting in just a moment with with uh, 2025 quarterbacks, but the next three, obviously at Illinois tomorrow at Northwestern Wednesday, I think it's Michigan Saturday, a week from today that, that comes to Lincoln and then Penn state. But, you know, February's here as you, you find your way into to March. And I'm interested here on this February forecast with Nebraska, what's needed, what's, what's possible. And, uh, you know, somewhere, somewhere in between, uh, Nebraska is on the right side of things. And, and we keep going back and forth with this discussion, but it's at Illinois, it's at Northwestern, Michigan's at home, Penn state's at home. You're at Indiana. And then you round out with Minnesota at home, the 25th. And then Thursday night, you're at Ohio state from a quality standpoint illinois and northwestern are one two i think from a road standpoint on top of this road schedule indiana would be smiled upon uh, from a road win as would ohio state both of these teams may continue to scuffle or play below their star power but they have the ability to flip it on and put it on you at home so you've got to me some quality wins aside from obviously this next five days this stretch where we know northwestern right now is in and illinois is looking at a three or a four seed right now unless they fade a little bit can't say anything uh, for for indiana or ohio state they're probably all on the wrong side of the bubble right now so but they they would be smiled upon road wins all of the above but what can you do the rest of February? I mean, do you get one? Do you get two? That's not a good road schedule. I don't like going to Indiana. I don't like going to Ohio State. I sure as hell don't like going to Illinois and Northwestern. Maybe a little bit vulnerable because of their gut punches, but they're still really, really tough at home. They've been incredible this year. Yeah, they have. And, I mean, even even that finale at Michigan, like – you're just I mean, Nebraska hasn't done anything on the road so far uh, post Kansas State, I guess, which, you know, <laughs> the bloom has come off that rose a little bit um, to 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 pencil in any of these these road games. So I think, you know, they've got five left. Is that right? Um, so Four at home that's, five that's, on the road. Th- yeah. That's that's just February. They They end the year at Michigan Sunday, the 10th. Of of March, they have yeah. Rutgers at home. They have two and they have two in, in March, Rutgers yeah. in Michigan. Okay, um, yeah, I mean, 
getting two road wins then for the month of February, I would I would consider that a win. Um, I mean, in terms of like, what do we need to see from Nebraska? That's that's it, right? <laughs> I mean, they beat the number one, number six team in the country at home now um, in slightly different but similarly kind of improbable ways, um, but not not wins that didn't feel they didn't feel unearned by by any means. Um, so the the biggest so I guess up there of like exceeds expectations would be let's let's see Nebraska bring a little bit of what it has at home on the road, which we've been talking about basically all year, right? Um, what I what I meant is you know what's what's minimally doable for Nebraska. What you know what do we need to see in February road wise? One in one in four, two and two. <sighs> I mean, I don't. You don't want to. You don't want to go winless. Um, so, <laughs> what's doable with with how this team, with how we've seen this team play, it, even in stretches on the road, um, which which has been the frustrating thing. I, I don't think they'll they'll lose out on the road. Um, so, like like I said, I think two and two. Um, if there's four games, um, two and two or two wins out of that, that's, that's more than we've seen from this team to this point. Um, so that would be, that would be a good sign then heading into March. Uh, and, you know, in terms of being at home, um, that's kind of the one where I think you, you run into a little bit more trouble where, okay, you beat Purdue. Now you beat Wisconsin. Creighton's the only team that that's come in and, and put it to you on your home floor. Can you avoid, for lack of a better term, a dumb one at home. Um, that that'll be that'll be really important to you, and and maybe in some ways might be a better barometer of exactly where this team's at, getting ready to go into postseason time. Brandon Vogel with us here, a weekend edition of Hail Varsity Radio. And Brandon, I want to get your thoughts on Brandon in the stream chats. Thoughts? He says that if you get one of these next two road games, you'll put a stamp on the tournament. Obviously, these next two so important. With K State falling off that quad one victory line, you have two more chances now uh, to get a quad one victory in the next two games. I believe your only remaining quad one opportunity is at Ohio State. Uh, so you do have three more quad one road opportunities, two of them in the next two games. Do you agree with this that if you get one of the next two, you, you put a stamp on the tournament, kind of lock up your, your NCAA tournament hopes, or, or what's your take on the importance of these next two games now that you've gotten that win against Wisconsin? Yeah, I, 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 I think I agree um, with Brandon, which I always try to do with Brandon's. Um, it's just one of the rules that I live why, live by. But you, you add a quad one road win to what Nebraska already has, and that's going to be a pretty tough resume to ignore. Um, I mean, it already kind of is with just the the big home wins. Um, but you, you, you prove something else about yourself if you if you go and do that on the road. Um, certainly would be the case with, with Illinois. Um, although Northwestern would, would definitely would be something, something more than we've seen from this team as well. So barring, you know, a a total collapse after that. Yeah. I think that team would be, would be in, um, it would be hard to keep them out at that point. Vogue's going to switch gears. Uh, Brandon Vogel, counter read, counter read.com. And uh, you have uh, another offer that's gone out for the 2025 class at quarterback. Let's get into some some recruiting. And uh, this is part of the all-name team. You have Madden, 
Emmy Ala Lava. Nailed it. And, yeah, I've nice. been working on that freaking name for 15 minutes, I promise you. Uh, Nico Emmy Ala Lava is kind of the rage right now at Tennessee. You saw a glimpse of him in the bowl game uh, and super talented. And the West Coast family, uh, Madden. Right now, got an offer from Glenn Thomas Thursday. Brian Christofferson with the report on this. In Nebraska, of course, Matt Zoller's out of Pennsylvania is is a target. Uh, St. Louis is Dylan Duff a target. The six two six foot three is kind of the the frame these kids have. Uh, Madden super athletic, also a volleyball player in Nebraska, uh, targeting Madden here. Auburn Cal. Uh, Coach Prime, the U, Ole Miss, TCU, Tennessee, and uh, Nebraska uh, extending that offer uh, later this past week. And and like the kid's mobility, like his arm. And I love that, that Nebraska is kind of going big here. You just landed a, a monster get with, with uh, Dylan Riola, obviously, but they're, they're not – they're not resting. Now, I don't really think that there's too much math to do. If, if I'm uh, Madden and my brother kills it at Tennessee, I, I follow my brother. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. But your thoughts here, uh, Vogue's on, on Nebraska's quarterback targets and just the reality in today's college football world. And Elijah, you'll have a take on this too, I'm sure, of, of going after similar – to same talent level or just what you're what you like from a scouting standpoint for an offense uh while you have the dude here or the perceived dude here already yeah i mean it makes you'll you'll have to overcome the hurdle of you know riola being like his career just started but i think at quarterback you know when you're out there you're pitching this is like hey if this goes as well as it could like if, if you're as good as, as you are and, and we do our job as well as we do, as we think we can, like this is going to move fast. Like, you know, you're not going to you're not going to worry about uh, this job not being available for for multiple for three, four years. Although I guess that would be the case, presumably with our with the 2025 signee. But you kind of work around that. But I, I think you use the the brand value that landing a Dylan Riola gives you. And I think that's what we're seeing. Um, it's kind of a strike while the iron is hot. Um, at this point, he he hasn't played a game. You know, you do this for the 2026, 27 classes as you get a little farther down the road. Uh, all of a sudden, like how Dylan Riola is performing, like, is he still there? Is does Does he look like you know, he's, he's on his, on his way to being a first round draft pick, which is kind of what you'd assume for, for a five-star quarterback. Those things will become more important. So right now you've got, you get a benefit a little bit from, from the unknown. I mean, a lot of the, the, the players that you mentioned there are also, you know, I think we're seeing rule set it at, I think it was his kind of end of the year recap talking about how he learned, he thinks in the big 10, basically they want, they want, NFL type quarterbacks, you know, he mentioned hand size about being able to play in the cold, um, which, which is a thing that comes up pretty frequently. So I think, and you know, it's, it's changed, you know, it wasn't that long ago when the recruiting sites used to list the quarterbacks differently, right? 
dual threat versus pro. I don't think many of them do that anymore because it's just, it's a lot blurrier now. Um, and, and everybody's looking for, for that type of NFL type quarterback, but most of those guys aren't statues anymore. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of what Nebraska is looking for there. Brandon, whenever you, you look at the influence of the transfer portal, does that make it more or less necessary for Nebraska to get a, a quarterback in their 2025 class? Because there's two ways you can look at it. One is you got the two 2024 quarterbacks. You assume Rylo's your instant starter. You think then you got Daniel Kalen to, to redshirt for a season and then be an eligibility one year behind Rylo to kind of be that guy in waiting. But then you can look at that as well as being a potential transfer portal candidate, meaning Nebraska needs to get a 2025 quarterback as kind of insurance. The other side being, you know what, you can always go into the transfer portal at some point down the road and get yourself a quarterback. There's always guys that are going to be in the, uh, the, the the portal at the quarterback position, so you can always go clean up your mistakes later. Which side of that coin are you on? Does the portal make it more or less necessary for Nebraska to, to get a 2025 guy? Yeah, um, I, I kind of take the it's easier to uh, stay out of trouble than get out of trouble approach of like, yes, you're going to be able to get a, a transfer quarterback to, if you need to, to basically kind of paper over a hole uh, that may have emerged in your roster. But I look at Nebraska now with just three scholarship quarterbacks and, and kind of view them as they're already behind a little bit um, in terms of just sheer numbers. And that's, you know, how it worked out. That's always going to be a little bit of a moving target in in today's college football so i would if if it were me i would try and take a high school kid high school quarterback every cycle um and even if you do that you know unless things just kind of season over season fall just the way you have it laid out which is which is never going to be the case all the time you're gonna have guys leave um and, and that's really where i kind of view the transfer portal can help you um it, it taketh and it giveth away. I wouldn't use it to to try and to try and you know jump over any high school recruiting that we try to do. Philosophically, I think Rule is spot on with. I think he values chemistry and fit, and they got to be on that same level to go with the talent, right? He doesn't want to screw up a locker room, and he, and he at least is. My my read is he's not willing to to do that, which is great because I think that's going to be the the difference for him with the the retention part to get the development. I think he's going to get a, a roster of dudes that want to play for him and play for their teammates and stay even when when maybe they're not where they want to be from a snaps standpoint, and they'll see the results on the field presumably. But above all, I think they're going to just enjoy their experience. I mean, you got to, and 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 understand that their coaches and their head guy, you know, gives a damn about them. So I think that that's your that's your that's your you know differentiator for for Nebraska when we talk portal and recruiting and development and and classes. I think there's an honest approach saying, look, we we like what you can do on the offensive line, defensive line, quarterback, running back, whatever. But understand that, you know, we are going to go try and, and get as much talent to, to win ball games as possible. So don't be hurt if you're cool for five minutes, you get your, your you know, your, your spotlight. And then next year, 
here's this dude coming in that, oh, wow, I got it. That's how life's going to be if you want to do this thing professionally because best best guy's going to play. They're just setting them up that way. So I think that's that's how you go about it. And, and he is adamant about the, the high school approach first with a little sprinkling of the, the portal. And, and you just saw that here last cycle with the, some key faces they added, uh, wide receiver and running back specifically, and a plug-and-play guy at guard on the offensive line. And I think it's understood. I think it's been communicated well enough for Nebraska and everyone to, to understand where they're at. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think rules done a good, good job with that. You know, Dabo Sweetie takes a lot of heat for his <laughs> approach to the portal and, and for good reason, like he might just ride that kind of philosophical stance uh, into, into the ground, which, Hey, that's, that's his call to make. But like, I think fundamentally he, he said, at some point, like, you know, why, how can I go out and get transfers? What, what do I say to the guys that, that we, we recruited to be here? And if any of us were the, the players who had been recruited to be there, that's probably what we, we would want too. So you got to navigate that. And, and I think rule did a good job. Uh, you know, when it came up regarding Riola in that uh, first signing day press conference, he said, you know, look, I'm not going to apologize for, for recruiting good players. And, and as long as you like convey that, I think out, out of, out of the gates, which I sure, I'm sure he has all the players then know like, mm-hmm. Hey, that's where we're at. And it's part of the reason, you know, Clemson might be, might be struggling a little bit in that regard because out of the gates, Sweeney said, I can't do that to those guys and basically recruit over them through the portal. Well, what do you what do you do when all of a sudden people are saying, well, maybe you need to be a player in the portal. So, so much of it's about how, how you've laid it out and, and rules done a good job with that. There's also an understanding that by the coaches that guys aren't going to come in ready made from high school. It's going to take some time where you need to be dominant on the lines of scrimmage to, to get guys up to speed most of the time. And while they're uh, seasoning, if you need to, to go get somebody in the portal, I think you look at it. Vogues, I want to get your take here on the, um, the advisory group uh, uh, with the, uh, the SEC and the Big Ten. And uh, this, is this a good thing? for the future of college football. Uh, and I think they're, uh, the, the two big dogs are getting together to, to, to maybe hash out some rules because I think there's a ton of coaches that are sick of this 12-month-a-year deal going on. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I appreciate that after basically running the sport. <laughs> the two of them unofficially, they, they have come together and decided to make it official going forward. Um, I guess we can officially call them the powers that be uh, and, and know who we're pointing to. At, the this, the at commission. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll need to, I need to workshop that and come up with a, a better name for, for that group, but you got to go something I, mafia, it, something mafia just fits so well because you can see these guys meeting behind closed doors, like hush, hush, making sure the NCAA doesn't know they're meeting and running the sport secretly in the background. <laughs> The Gridiron Mafia, yeah, we can start with that and, and workshop it. A lot of walk and talks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, is it good for college football? Um, I guess it depends on what kind, what what 
version of college football you like. Um, for me, uh, as somebody who who loves watching G five games, who would would rather have truly would rather have a twelve team playoff that included every conference champion, even if it means we're leaving seven of the best teams in the country out because there's just not room. Like, sign me up for that. Seriously, uh, I'll watch UNLV uh, try to try to beat you know Wisconsin or somebody in, in in the first first round of a tournament. Like that doesn't bother me at all. But some people does. Some people are like, well, UNLV obviously isn't one of the twelve best teams in the country. Give me the twelve best, and I can get that too. That's where we're headed. Uh, like, I mean, it, so much about college college football is trending towards increased professionalization and, and some of that's good um off the field in terms of what it does to on the field like i don't know if i it's not what i would choose but it's 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 where it's where we're going um so i i would expect you know with the the proposal that's out there for kind of a power school subdivision and the timing of this big 10 sec announcement of this joint partnership I'm guessing they're probably headed towards uh, a place where they can come out and say, here's what we're, here's what we are prepared to do right now uh, in terms of a number, in terms of money that they're ready to offer their athletes in terms of, you know, basically putting them on the payroll. If we call it a revenue share or whatever, whatever the terminology ends up being. And it's going to be more than the big 12 uh, or the ACC probably want to do but it becomes a further way to just like submit your place and, and power in the sport. Cause it's like, yeah, we've got all, we've got all what there's 30 teams there between the two conferences now or no 32 teams. You got a full NFL basically. Um, like we can pay this. Are you guys ready? <laughs> or are you, are you declaring yourself not part of the, the power power structure of this sport? I think that's probably where we're going. Brandon, to get you out here using the mafia connection, how long until Charlie Baker and the NCA gets figuratively whacked? <laughs> um, Joe, Joe Pesci. Oh no! <laughs> I would say they've got at least got at least eighteen months, but probably two years. Like it's going to take some while. It take a while. I mean, the, the Gridiron Mafia just officially formed. It's just been officially recognized. So they've got they've got some groundwork to lay. But sometimes in, in Mafia, it's important to move fast. You know, like you want to you want to strike before they even know you're around. Well, I mean, it's time to I, get to the Fed building. I mean, and and they have like it's it's well it's it, it's like an iceberg, you know. We only see the the tip, but one day you wake up and Texas and Oklahoma are headed to the SEC, and you're like, okay, I, <laughs> I guess they've been working on this for a while. Bogues, what's happening with Counter Read? Counterread.com. Tell the folks how to get in touch. Yeah, we've got some more stuff uh, coming out from from a sit down that Aaron Sorensen, uh, my partner in this, did with with Trev Alberts. Uh, some kind of longer term stuff we've been waiting to talk with him about. So we'll have that. Uh, we'll continue to to track Nebraska basketball as they both men and women as they progress through through February. Should be should be a fun month for that. And then boy, there's there's always football stuff to talk about, and and that's right around the corner too. So you can check that out at counterread.com. Vogues, appreciate you. Good to spend some time this morning. Thank you much. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right. The Iron Horse is in. It's Gary Sharp. Sharpie for Sheriff, uh, says Rick. Gary, good to spend Whoa. time this morning, man. How you doing? 
Good. I, I don't know that I have enough time or I would want to be in that line of work as a sheriff, but well, let's go. Uh, you, let's Rick. go. Let's keep with the mafia theme. You know, uh, Al Capone's brother, I think, was a sheriff in Nebraska. Really? Small town Nebraska. I think I, I had read that somewhere. Al, Changed Al, his name. Such an upstanding Al, family. Hey, Al Capone as a uh, younger Gary Shark gave me blue balls. What? Mm, huh? What? Do you guys not remember? Well, Can we Elijah, you're too young. Shreddy, <laughs> you might remember this. Uh, you remember when Geraldo Rivera? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, wa- he opened I the watched vault. it as a little kid and I was like enamored and I was like so excited. And then it was such a letdown. Big time. Yeah. Uh, Henry Hill lived in North Platte for a while before okay. he did it again. All right. Our dear friend John Baylor uh, had his midday show. And I, I got, we got Henry Hill on, on John's show. Uh, and, and, and he didn't say the F word, which shocked us. We had no delay system. <laughs> so John Baylor's talking with Henry Hill uh, and, and Henry's wife comes in and says, we, we need, cause he had the, he was at the firefly out yeah. in North Platte. So he's slinging pizza and other things allegedly. Uh, and, and, and here's like, can't you see I'm doing an interview? I mean, I mean it was, it was like, that's all, the, you know, the, the scene from Goodfellas, that's all we had, Karen, you know, yeah. it's all the, it's all the money we had, Karen. So. Hey, Elijah, how long did you last on the floor the other night? Uh, not too long, less than five minutes. I, I got my fun in for the Purdue one. This was strictly for work going down there and getting footage and, and video, you know? I don't know. I, hey, I, I saw I saw good 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 content. <laughs> See, I was uh, I had to be careful because uh, down on the floor, uh, it was a real mosh pit. It was more of a mosh pit this time with the students being down there. There were really, really yeah. all ages down on the floor this time, but I had to make sure to watch myself to be careful. Um, I'm not the the young man I used to be, so I didn't want any injuries in a court storming. All like Caitlin, Caitlin Clark. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah, you're you're still six four, dude. I'm not worried about you taking one on the chin. I'm I'm worried about you I going, am. you know, hurting villagers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm worried about you just throwing, you know, Will Farrell bathrobe, just throwing people out of the way. Uh that route. Sharpie, it was incredible Thursday. Yeah. You've seen a ton of Nebraska yeah. basketball. We were talking with Vogues a little bit about what February holds and do you, are you buying it? And I'm not talking Nebraska's magic at home. I'm saying, is this the win that actually gets him to turn the corner and, and have PBA, whatever's bottled up there, travel at least once or twice this month to get that elusive road win? Um, possibly. So it's so wild how much different they are at home compared to the road and that impact of the crowd. Uh, there is no doubt. If anybody wonders around the country about the passion of Nebraska fans, just look at the crowd on Thursday night. That crowd helped Nebraska. Fred Hoiberg oh, might have peeled some paint and said, uh, guys, wake up. And it you know, didn't instantly click when they came out of the locker room, but then, it, then they started to, to make a comeback. But that crowd willed that team to get in the game, and then once Wiltshire hit the three, that's when I thought, okay, this might happen when he made it 50 to 49. Um, the problem with Nebraska is this, they have the same problems at home that they do on the road when it comes to athleticism. 
they have some lineups that are bad matchups, and they also have the tendency to turn the basketball over. So those things don't really leave them. They kind of get clouded over at home because they play with a different type of energy and dog mentality at home. Here's what I'd like to see on the road, and tomorrow's going to be difficult, really, really difficult, is you just want to see them play a game where they communicate. They close out on the perimeter. They played really great perimeter defense in the second half. Um, And and they don't go into these lulls where they have these long scoring droughts and they have these head-scratching decisions. So I just want to see them play good basketball. And there's enough games on the road schedule that are left that they can do that, and and they're going to be better than the team they're playing. It's just they're going to be underdogs the next two games on the road. But not many teams in the country have a Purdue and a Wisconsin win on their resume. Nebraska is one of the best 68 teams in the country. That's what I say. So they have to find a way to not play themselves out of the tournament because I think they're in the tournament now. It's just are they an 8-9 seed or are they a let's go to Dayton you know, team. We'll, we'll get yeah. into your expectations for these these next two road games here in just a second, Gary. But you mentioned the impact of the home crowd. I want to get you. You're an, you're an Omaha guy. I want to get your reaction to how the crowd treated Chucky Hepburn and how they've treated Chucky Hepburn for years. Well, what is your thought well, on that? Well, so so you remember two years ago, um, Chucky had lost a member, uh, a close uh, person in his life, and as a freshman, the Nebraska crowd treated him really well. I, I think I asked the question on my show. If you are booing Chucky, are you booing him because he's the best player or are you booing him because he didn't come to Nebraska? If, he did, if you're booing him because he didn't come to Nebraska, then we have to have some speaks and we're going to have some reality of what the situation was, and that's ridiculous. If you're booing him because he's the best player and that's what you do, okay. You know, do, do what you got to do and then go, dang, that guy is slicing and dicing us in the first half. But then Chucky and the rest of Wisconsin kind of uncharacteristically had a meltdown in the second half. Um you know, I, I think there's there's a lot involved here. It's who's booing. I, I, I didn't get really caught up in it. You know, I don't think it was as big a thing this year as it was last year. Because last year it seemed to turn into a, like a controversy. This year you knew it was coming right when he walked in the building. And he's handled it well. I'm mm-hmm. sure it bugs him a little bit, but also drives him. He's a hell of a competitor. And I'll tell you what, I would take Chucky Hepburn on my, t- on my team any day that ends in Y. Well, and just- never say never. Just just put Chucky on Nebraska, and we're not talking about bubble. I mean, they're missing point guard play. Well, yeah, and that, that just that consistent point guard play, or that guy yeah. that's a, you know, that's a, a dog when you need somebody to get a bucket, that alpha on the floor. And, and fortunately for Nebraska on Thursday night, they had all of a sudden a lot of those guys come together, whether it be Williams or Wiltshire or Rinkmast or, you know, a guy that I, I think has been such a key to this run of what, 21 and seven over the last 28, is Fred's son. Yes. I mean, Sam is a difference. I, I, I wondered, I think we talked on the show maybe a month ago, do you, do you maybe insert Sam into the starting lineup and let him play point a little bit and see what happens? I think you still keep, keep, keep bringing him and Wiltshire off the bench because they bring some instant energy. And just because they're on the bench doesn't mean they can only be like 20-minute guys. You could be on the bench and come in and play 35 minutes. But I think Sam Hoiberg is really kind of the epitome of that team, and he's, he's a difference maker when he comes into the game. And you saw that on Thursday night. Man, he had a key steal. He had three points, four assists. I, he was just everywhere. He is that dog, and he's probably that dog also, guys, that keeps in a game like that where you got to get some stops and string them together. He keeps Kase Tomanaga off the floor. He's the difference 
when it came to to how that. I mean, not offensively, but just from a from a mentality, right. and and also they needed to get better defensively. Yeah, and, and he gives you a little help defend, uh, rebounding wise too. I mean, he, yeah. he he is he is big time difference maker, and he's shown up. He he has absolutely shown up in their big games. Yeah, the problem, and and you guys, I, I know talked about this yesterday. You know, when your five best offensive players aren't your five best defensive players, it can be a little bit rough. And you know, Hoiberg comes in, and he's not one of your top five offensive players, but he's definitely one of your top five defensive players. So you have to make a move with your your lineup against Wisconsin, I got to get my 5D out there. We're going more for D, but we're hoping that we'll get a spark offensively. And I like when, you know, I think Fred Fred in the second half pushed the right buttons on his rotation and who was playing because Williams and Mass never left the floor. And then Wiltshire never left the floor. Look what happened last Saturday at Maryland. We went, why is C.J. Wiltshire not playing? Why is he, he's the only guy scoring in the first half. Why all of a sudden is he back on the bench? Well, Gary, if you would have gone back two years ago and told me that it'd be Sam Hoiberg and C.J. Wiltshire, the two guys that would be keeping Casey Tomanaga off the floor, I would have gotten you into an asylum. Like The, the, the <laughs> development of both of those guys has been astounding, I think, is, is a credit to, to Hoiberg with C.J. just getting his shot selection to a place that Husker fans could deal with and uh, being a positive coming off the bench. And Hoiberg, the energy and, and I mean, uh, the yep. activity he brings off the bench – Two years ago, he's a, a feel-good story, kind of like Izzo's kid at Michigan State, where you think the whole student section is going to go insane anytime he gets in the game. And now it's you're saying, thank God, never Sam Hoiberg goes to the scorer's table. Yeah. Hey, isn't it wild that if Bandamil and Gary don't get hurt last year, we don't see the full impact of Sam Hoiberg or Casey Tominaga? And especially Hoiberg, who all of a sudden started playing more minutes, and you realize, man, what an asset to this team. Um, I think with C.J., you know, if, if anybody says, hey, Fred, uh, bring your playbook, let's talk, he should bring Wiltshire with him and go, I'm a development program as well. Because C.J. has kind of, you know, ridden the roller coaster and been the punching bag of the fan base because he, he, would, be, he would be the guy on the floor that took bad shots in a moment where they needed good shots, and it was C.J.'s fault. And he got banished to the bench. And there were times where he was sulking last year. And then you wondered in the offseason if he was going to stick around. And he decided to stick around. They found a role for him, which is, you know, I think, I think Fred's done a better job in the last couple of years communicating with his roster on what we need out of you. And this is where you're going to be. Um, he has also developed with CJ. I, I think, guys, he knows what a good shot is compared to a bad shot. Like, I'm not going to shoot at the beginning of a shot clock, a corner pocket three. I'm going to let the offense develop, and if I get a good look, I'm going to take it. And I think that's the biggest growth that I've seen. I mean, he was on a heater, man. He was, for the last two games, he has shot the ball exceptionally well. But if you want to go back really over, like, the last 11 games, he's been one of the better shooters in the Big Ten. There's no doubt he's the sixth man of the year because what do you need out of a sixth man? You need him to come off the bench, give you a spark, give you some scoring, not hurt you on the other end if that's not their forte. And he's done exactly that. Well, Gary, you talk about the heater he's on. I hit on this on the show yesterday. In Big Ten play, I, almost 50% from three. I think the number's 47%. Yeah. Almost 60% from the field, and he hasn't missed a free throw. Iron Horse with us, Gary Sharp. Weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. To your point about good shot, think about that that bucket he hit to tie it at 52. Yep. He didn't force a, a fadeaway corner. He drove baseline mid-range. It wasn't a three, but he got a better shot versus a – a, a tough shot, and, and and then he was still heat checking a little bit, but he was on such a 
such a scorcher it, it went down but that was that was incredible and we were talking a little bit about just atmosphere and moments with uh with thursday night gary uh where does where does that one kind of show up w- over the the husker landscape i mean you and i both i remember bumping into you uh you know before at a tailgate nebraska miami 2014 football yeah. like the blood in the water at memorial stadium all game long how awesome Amir was, right? Like just yeah. different, different level. So that's always kind of up there for me as far as just how amped the the, the joint was, and the 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 fans and and how they really willed Thursday night along with uh, Nebraska's second half will always be there for me uh, against Wisconsin. Yeah, are those kind of your two pillars when we talk? Uh, and, and, yeah. You can get into baseball too. I mean, there's yeah, some. Yeah, so I, I think I think of course, no sit Sunday will always be number one. You, you okay. we always talk about, hey, let's do this again. You can never replicate that day at Pinnacle Bank Arena in 2014. I mean, that's one of the most amazing sporting events that I've ever been involved with. Um, of course, Thursday night is right up there. I'll tell you another one that stands out. You remember the Iowa game at the end of the regular season when Nebraska had a crazy comeback and Thor was dealing. This was, yeah. I think it was 2019. Um, that the Pinnacle Bank Arena was not. I don't think it was sold out that day because it was a Sunday afternoon against Iowa. That place was rocking. Um, but you alluded to the the Miami uh, Nebraska game. That was a that was a game where the stadium was upside down. It's just <laughs> it's a it's a different it's a different mindset Memorial Stadium to Pinnacle Bank Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on 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 your obligation or how you digest it. You know, we all we all go to both venues. We kind of cover Nebraska football like it's our job. We cover Nebraska basketball like it's our outlet. That's fair. You know? That's fair. Now, I want to throw I want to throw a couple of baseball ones in there. This is going back a little bit. Um, the the clincher for the super regional to go to the College World Series the first time against Rice at Old Buck Belzer Field. That was an amazing scene. You remember the clincher against Miami in 05 to go to the College World Series. Yeah, that was big. At Haymarket Park. And then I'll even stay with the College World Series in 05, even though it didn't go Nebraska's way. That Arizona State game was wild. Gurch's bomb. Yeah. And then and then you had, you know, you wanna you wanna expand to volleyball. You had two of the the loudest moments this season with volleyball day in Nebraska. And then you have the Wisconsin match at the Devaney Center. Yeah. No, that's that's right there. Sharpie going to go to football here as spring balls around the corner. Uh, lots anticipated on offense. How can Nebraska make a move to a competent offense, consistent offense? But I want to get your take on on the defense. And Tony White's back. You got a lot of dudes back, and you had nice success with some young guys on top of that rotation where multiple guys were getting snaps. So all that's coming back. Great. But what do you anticipate from a response from the big 10 uh, against the three, three, five? You, you, first time you saw Tony wide, first time you saw this three, three, five, it was year one. How do offenses adjust? Can, can Nebraska's defense be as good in year two uh, with a little bit more film out there on them. 
And that's a great question. I, you know, and it's interesting when you talk to guys on Nebraska's offense and they talk about going against that defense because they did a lot of one-on-one where Nebraska ran their normal defense against Nebraska's normal offense. And, and guys on offense, I remember Ethan Piper saying, it was difficult. You, you know, it was like a numbers game and you had to figure out where everybody was and you're trying to figure out your assignments, but also what the guy in front of you or the guy behind him is going to do. So it was, it was a transition. I, I think, you know, some teams that have good coordinators and good coaches will adjust um, and also are a little bit veteran so that maybe they've seen it for the first time. You know, there's not a, a plethora of teams are playing the three three five, but there's a little bit more of those looks. And Nebraska wasn't always a true three three five throughout the year. Right. It's just it comes down to what's the game plan you have to build yourself the best advantage. Whether you're a true three three five or you're playing, you know, a three four four, whatever you know, Nebraska's variation. I think it's just guys simply getting better in year two at their job. Whether okay. it be their stamina whether it be their technique, whether it be their angles to go for tackling. Um, so I think Nebraska is going to be fine there. I think it helps that they're older. I also, guys, I think it's going to be extremely competitive during spring ball because if you look at their three levels of how they have their scholarships distributed, uh, distributed man, there's going to be – it's like Survivor Island. This will be a very intense spring on the defensive side of the ball for guys that are backups or third string – or kind of new to the situation. I mean, I think it, I mean, do we really think that all of those defensive backs are going to stick around after May, especially if you've been here for a couple of years? I mean, they got a lot of defensive backs and not everybody's going to play. And they've got a lot of good ones that are on their way. that are going to be freshmen in the fall. Any guys that they could move up a level? I asked that because of the perceived razor thin uh, linebacker spot. I mean, you've got some guys that are back, but you've got some unknowns. Yeah. I off the top of my head right now. I don't think so. That, that like hybrid. No, yeah. Like nobody fills the role of Gifford right away um, right. or right. Or those kind of uh, guys that you say, Hey, that guy is moving up. Um, you know, I, I think they'll experiment a little bit in the spring to see if there's any of those guys. Cause you're right. They have to build some depth at, at linebacker. Um, but I think they're going to let the defensive backs play out, you know, They've, they've got they got a lot of guys that were in like last year's recruiting class that redshirted, and now it's time to see where your place is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, Evan Cooper is going to have a good spring, like figuring out who is who is top four are, but also who is somebody that's not going to play, and then maybe they find you know they're into the portal in May. It's it, the the across the board. I'm telling you, I, I've been saying this for a while. Nebraska's in a really good spot with spring because essentially their roster is here. They will start spring football, and that will basically look like your 2024 Nebraska Cornhuskers, except for you know a handful of freshmen that will show up in June. And most of those freshmen that are showing up, either they're probably not going to play because because uh, physically they have to develop, or they have good enough football IQ that when they walk on campus, they're not going to be just snowed under by information and the whole experience. Gary, the, the biggest question to you with the 2024 Husker defense is what? And then kind of as a follow-up to that, do you think we can get that answered during spring football? And you kind of hit on that with the defensive back room. I'm also talking linebacker. The only spot that I think you're really set in stone is that interior defensive line with, with Nash and Ty. There are some moving pieces, but we've seen a lot of these guys before, and I think we have a pretty good idea of what this defense is going to be. With that in mind, what's the biggest question? Can this defense uh, turn the football over? Mm. Can they go get turnovers? Can they rush the passer? Those would be the two 
And then they might go hand in hand when you rush the passer and speed up a quarterback. He throws a pick in an area that he had no intention of throwing it there. I, I think the big thing this year will be, can the defense give Nebraska's offense extra possessions? That's fair. Mm-hmm. On the offensive side, we were talking quarterbacks with Bogues a little bit earlier and uh, Glenn Thomas making his offer to uh, Madden, Emmy Alla, Alla Lava. You almost had it. Yeah, I, first I, I, I was two for two in the first hour. Okay. Emmy Alla Lava. There we go. Bang. Uh, Madden, uh, his first name, Nico, his brother's, you know, going to be a phenom at, at Tennessee. It has looked good. And uh, Nebraska able to make that offer out there. They're targeting uh, Duff and St. Louis. Zollers, of course, out of Pennsylvania. And Maskey committing to Iowa State this week. Yep. So that was a, a target that Nebraska was on early and, and lost to Coach Campbell. All that said, you know, what what do you see with this, uh, th- this quarterback recruiting uh, philosophy here from, from Glenn Thomas? Go after uh, the, the best of the best. I mean, that's what they're doing here, and they've they've got uh, one that they're they're proud of, uh, of course, on campus now. They get standing O's when he walks into PBA, and has his own private security. Yeah. Uh, so you know, before Dylan Riola uh, committed to Nebraska, they loved Alex Mansky. Like yeah. they think Alex Mansky will be in the NFL, and that's a very good pickup for Iowa State. Iowa State moved everything into the middle to get him to keep an in-state kid home. I mean, they brought their entire coaching staff to his basketball game earlier in the week. That's a big pickup for Iowa State. I really like that quarterback. Um, but it seemed like, you know, Nebraska couldn't couldn't move it along after he came in October, even though they tried. So they immediately do the pivot to Dylan Duff down in St. Louis, and all the offensive staff shows, down, shows up down there. It is important that Nebraska gets a quarterback in 25. Um, they're not ready to use Dylan Riola as a recruiter, in terms of, hey, we got an elite quarterback. Look what we've done with him. So right. we can do it with you. But they do need a, a quarterback in the class of 25. And I like their aggressiveness. Um, you know, we, we still don't know exactly what this offense is going to look like. Because I think Glenn Thomas is going to take a lot of input. And he's going to see what the strength of Riola is before they, they put in a deep dive into, this is what we can do on offense. Um, but most of these quarterbacks they're offering are the same kind of guys that are not athletes playing quarterbacks, and guys that have big boy arms. I really think that moving forward, Nebraska and their receiving core are going to find guys that are quote-unquote track guys but stretch the field vertically, and they just need a quarterback that can help them when they stretch it vertically. So that's kind of I see a pattern with the offers that they're making. Mm -hmm. But I like their aggressiveness. I'll be curious to see how much involvement Glenn Thomas has as a recruiter. you know, I don't, I don't know initially if that's the most important thing. His, his most important thing is the guys that are on campus to develop mm-hmm. them. But, you know, they pivoted right away, and we'll see. I, I, I'd, I'd like him to have a quarterback at some point before spring ball is over for the class of 25. And then we all kind of think, man, you'd like him to have a quarterback for the team of 24 uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Gary, whenever you talk about what this offense looks like in, in 2024, we don't really know as the, the coaching carousel kind of reaches the tail end, at least from what we can expect right. in both college and the NFL. Are we still on Holgerson watch? Yeah, you know, so here's what, here's what I was told. Um, as Dana left Houston and, you know, got involved with Nebraska, he kind of wanted to just chill for a bit. You know, it, it, that's you're coming down from 
getting fired as a head football coach, but he wants to stay in the game. I was always told February 1 was a, a time period to watch to see, you know, if, if Nebraska and Dana Holgerson could come together. So honestly, I would expect here in the next few days, um, if there's any news, it would come. But February 1 was a couple of people told me, watch that. That's kind of when Dana wants to, you know, whew, chill. And then he'll start to say, okay, I want to get back into football. But, you know, I mean, the, the, the interest was definitely mutual. You know, Nebraska, Nebraska said, hey, we don't have a, a title or anything, but we'd love for you to be part of the staff. And the, the response was similar. Um, it's just, you know, where, where is Dana at? But February 1 was always the time. So I would think in the next few days, if something's going to happen, yay or nay, it would happen and you'd hear about it. I think uh, one thing that's appealing, if, if you're looking at this from, from Dana, is you look at the, the analyst position and you're still getting paid by Houston, but also just Coach Rule's reputation for working with, with younger coaches. Yeah. And you'd get Dana, you'd presumably look at a spot for his son uh, to, to come with him. And Rule's got a great track record of not only doing that, but also, uh, I mean, look, look at the, the kind of the coaching tree rules had of, of guys that have been with him at, at, at all his stops. They started out young and they've, uh, you know, been able to, to learn and, and get groomed quite a bit for whatever's next in their career. So I think that that door has got to be open, not only for Dana, but, but his son, because I think his kid wants to stay into that in, in the coaching ranks. Well, I've been told that, you know, like Rule and Holgerson, they get all nerdy when they talk. Like, <laughs> they, 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 they talk a lot of the same language about programs. But, you know, I mean, Rule, Rule has, has openly admitted that they need, they need creativity on offense. And that's kind of why. He's creative. He, he's kind of, that's why he's kind of drawn to Dana. So they want to pair. The, they want to get better with the creativity on offense. And they want to get better with coaches that can work with younger players. And so that's where Glenn Thomas comes in because the Steelers, why Glenn Thomas was in Pittsburgh is because they brought him there because Glenn Thomas's forte is working with young quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Quarterbacks that are, that need to be molded a little bit. And if you look at their situation in Pittsburgh, you have Kenny Pickett. He's still a young quarterback, even though he's in his, uh, what, third year in the NFL. Um, And so they say, Hey, let's work with him. um, Or actually second year in the NFL. He's a guy that can work with. So, so you have that taken care of, and you know, then you, you start to bring in a guy that has some creativity. I, I think the one thing that Rule, I, Rule truly believes that their window to have success is open. Riola coming helps, but he has worked very hard in the offseason to fill those holes, keep Tony White, keep, keep his entire staff in check you know, so they have some continuity. And then where they've had a deficiency to add to it, whether it be on or off the field. So he's he's a builder, and they're letting him build. And the more the more people in this program that can help you win and help you succeed Monday through Friday, so that Saturday is the easiest part of the week. I think that's what their intended goal is. I'm, I'm going to apologize and, in advance to, to Steelers fans before I say this. I think it's funny that Glenn Thomas was brought in to work with a young quarterback and Kenny Pickett, and then after a year he went, "I'm out. Nah, nah, I can't do it anymore." No, not Kenny Pickett. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, you kind of. Still time well, to turn the corner. Whether or not that's reality, I'm going to spin it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's good. 
That's good. That, that'll make Steelers fans feel really good about their, their quarterback. And also, if you look at the, tw- uh, the 2022 NFL draft, uh, who is drafted in front of Bro- uh, Brock Purdy? A lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sharpie will wind down with this. The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp with this. So a couple of different interviews with Nebraska's interim president talking about athletics and academics shaking hands, and that's always kind of been the, the thought, but not always been the reality. And a couple of quotes from, from Chattel and Mitch's stories this week about the, the future of the, the Big Ten and Nebraska's future in the Big Ten. AAU and its importance was mm-hmm. talked about, Nebraska needing to get back to that level as an AAU member. But do you worry about uh, Nebraska's place in the college football world uh, in the long term, we, we touch on this commission, as we call it, with the SEC and, and the Big Ten getting getting together, right, to, to form this advisory committee. Well, we don't know, as the president's been quoted saying, what, what college football is going to look like the next five years, ten years. Yeah. Do you worry about Nebraska's place? Um, a little bit, but I will tell you, it's significant that they became a member of the $200 million club. yes. I mean, I think moving forward, finances will be greater than geography in the college landscape. Now, that may come true not for another 10 to 15 years, but I think the finances are a big part of it. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that, that Trev and now the interim president, they have dropped breadcrumbs about, hey, Nebraska doesn't necessarily have a seat at the big boy table. We might have this passionate football program and a big stadium, and we're thriving in a state of 1.9 million but that doesn't guarantee anything. So let's make sure that we can guarantee success. So we're in the $200 million club. We're, we're, we're making strides to get back into the AAU so that Nebraska is protected. You know, Nebraska is still a strong brand. You guys look at the TV ratings. Yeah. And now that they've, they're in the $200 million club with Ohio State and Michigan, I think that says a lot. I, I think Nebraska is positioned really well. But as you guys were talking with Brandon and you guys talked yesterday, Man, it is – if you are not in the Big Ten or the SEC, it is scary right now. I mean, I look at the ACC. I look at the Big 12. The Big 12 releases their schedule earlier this week, and I was like, ooh, it's very underwhelming. It's like, oh, they got a bunch of flyover programs, you know, and you're looking, okay, where is our money at? And then back to the ACC. And you're thinking, all right, we don't have as much money as the Big Two. What are we doing? And then you have – and I think it's more of a Boston College thing – you have the head coach of Boston College leaves to go to be a D.C. at Green Bay. Again, I, I don't think it's a, you know, I, I think there's part of the, the grind in the new era of coaching college football. But I also think that's more of a B.C. problem where Halfley was on the hot seat. B.C. doesn't have the funds to compete. And so, man, that D.C. job, when I've been in the NFL before, which is another caveat for Halfley, I'm going back to the NFL. If I'm B.C., I'm like, man, can we compete? How can we compete with the Big Ten and the SEC? You can't. It, the, the the last part of this, can you win? And sadly, can you be great TV? I mean, yeah. are, are you are you a, a matchup folks want to tune into? Yes, Nebraska still draws TV numbers. You look at Thursday night on BTN. Yeah. That, that, was, uh, that was awesome. It was a great yeah. advertisement. So can you do a couple of things? Can you compete? Can you win? Can you be a player in a playoff era, but uh, are you, are you doing something right? Are you, 
are you um, drawing the eyeballs? And and you still well, have, right. that, you still have point, that helmet ability, yeah. right? You're still a helmet game. Yeah. At one point, though, you 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 have to win. I mean, there yeah. that, that might not be number one at the top, but it's got to be in the top five. Is uh, okay. What do they bring to the table? Because Nebraska's entry into the Big Ten in terms of football and winning has been completely underwhelming compared to the expectations when Jim Delaney and Tom Osborne were standing in downtown Lincoln in a building going, "Welcome to the Big Ten." <laughs> we we talked about day. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was there. <laughs> we talked to the commission. It's cool. Wait, when you look back good. to that day, Gary, what does that tell you about Tom Osborne's foresight to be able to see the the future of college football in the landscape? I don't think he was getting lucky now as I look back that, oh, he just happened to pick a conference that is going to rule college football 15 years down the road. What does it say about his foresight? Uh, I think he was protecting Nebraska. Yes. I, think, I, I think the one thing about T.O., he's always been in it for Nebraska. Um, you know, I, that, that's where I, I think it's important for the athletic director at Nebraska – to be in it for Nebraska because that's who you are. Also, you want to you know play well with the shield, but Nebraska is first and foremost. That's where Sean Eichhorst, Sean Eichhorst, crazy. He was always like, always putting the Big Ten ahead of Nebraska. Like instead of fighting for Nebraska's needs, it was like, okay, I guess this is best for the Big Ten. Well, if it's best for the Big Ten, that doesn't necessarily always mean it's best for Nebraska. I mean, you, you got quite the variation of programs in this conference, and I could never figure that out with him because, you know, the whole Black Friday thing. You know, you are the athletic director in Nebraska. You fight for Nebraska, for Nebraska's place at the table, for what is good for Nebraska, and then you try and meld those together. That's what I would say about T.O. T.O. saw what was going on with Texas, and he said, I got to do what's right for Nebraska so that we don't get caught. I mean, it's, it's really it, – it's uh, – it's a, one of one of T.O.'s top moments in his affiliation with the University of Nebraska mm. is having the foresight to get together with the right people to say, we got to do what's right for Nebraska. And look at this, guys. I mean, we, we sometimes clamor for those short road trips and our friends in the Big 12. We're not going back. No. And now we don't know what we're going to next down the road, what that looks like. But imagine being where Nebraska's at, record-wise, still in the Big 12 and trying to jump up to this new seat that you need to be in with the Big 10 or the um, the SEC? That's a great question for both of you guys. And and we kind of got sidetracked here. If the Big 10 was expanding today and Nebraska was still in the Big 12, would Nebraska get a phone call? No. I mean, all things being equal, if, if they had fallen off a cliff record-wise and they're going four and eight, hell no. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of – They kind were of, winning when they yeah. got invite at least. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So, again, to add to Elijah's point, I mean, T.O. was in it for Nebraska, and that's what you should be, you know? I, you know, Matt Rule, hey, this is what the Big Ten would like. Well – this is what Nebraska would, would like, and this is what's important to us because we're not created like Michigan and Ohio State. We'll play along, but, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in it for the end. Whatever is best for the end, and then we'll try and incorporate what helps the league as well. Well, here's another question. If, if Nebraska didn't leave for the Big Ten, would they be in the place that they are right now record-wise in order to get a call? Now we're opened a whole can of worms and a whole hypothetical Well, discussion. I mean, I think, I think originally they would be in a better spot because they were – they had a better knowledge of the Big Twelve. Yeah, sure, um, you know they were they were built to play in that conference. I don't know. It's it's along the way. 
just poor decisions that have been made in hiring and just the approach Turnover. that has probably limited Nebraska more than anything. Turnover's the word on the field and off, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at Gene Smith is retiring in July, and he's he's one of you know he's been the athletic director at Ohio State since Nebraska's been in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's all about stability, um, and I think that's important moving forward for Nebraska across the board, whether it be sitting behind a desk or you know coaching a team. Sharpie, what do you got going this weekend? Any games you're calling? Uh, no, have the uh, weekend off. So, great slate of college basketball today. Today's awesome. Oh, it is fantastic. You got um, any locks for us, brother? You got uh, Houston, uh, KU. You've got you know uh, Carolina Duke tonight. I am, I am off the grid. I got, oh. I, you know, I had the exhilaration of the Nebraska game on Thursday, and then whatever that was in downtown Omaha last night, 98 or 99 98, Butler beating Creighton. I mean, Creighton's got to do a better job of helping Nebraska's net rankings. <laughs> well, K-State's got to step up Monday night uh, with, yeah. with, uh, with KU coming to town. So the, the, the long and short of this is Elijah and I are picking you up and we're taking you to the sports book <laughs> in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did you guys think on February 3rd that both Nebraska and Creighton would have the same record? No. No, absolutely now, not. Now, not all records are created equal. I get that. But – Nebraska is 16 and 6 in basketball on February 3rd and in bracket matrix this morning they are a 9 seed in the NCAA tournament with with zero conference road wins but 6 and 0 at home and 6 and 0 against the spread. What a weird yeah. year. Don't tell me about being 6 and 0 against the spread. I felt that pain yesterday. Well, there were a lot of people Schmidt. <laughs> there are a lot of people that, uh, you know, may have took Nebraska a point and a half. And then uh, at halftime, they were thinking, wow, that was a terrible decision. It, Never it, count out the power of PBA. No, mm. that's, that's absolutely true. Hey, I do need a prop, though, from both of you guys. Oh, and not really a prop, but a prediction, because I'm curious uh, to close on basketball. What does, uh, what does Casey Tominaga look like tomorrow against Illinois on the road? He, I think it is it is go time for him. He need what I mean by that is, he needs to to look like Purdue Tominaga. He needs to come out and 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 be that efficient and not hunt his shot, not take bad shots, not force it, and not have his arms crossed on the bench when he gets subbed yeah. out. For That's where I was gonna go. I was gonna say first time he gets subbed out, check out his body language on the bench. That'll tell the story. That might come down to. Does he hit his first couple shots or does he not? But the first time he gets subbed out, the first time C.J. Wilcher comes onto the floor, assuming there's not a change to the starting lineup, look at Casey Tominaga on the bench. Look at his body language. I think that'll tell the story of how the rest of his game goes. Let's talk yeah. motive. What's the motive? Is it get to the next level and I got to be the I got to be the showman? I got to be the star? Or I'm crossing my arms because I'm not helping my team? I, I can't. Yeah. So I, I think he's got a he's got a. His, his shot is off a little bit. So there's something mechanical that is going wrong in his shot. He got benched on Thursday because he couldn't play defense. I mean, they, they couldn't have – you can't have him and Hoiberg on the floor at the same time because then it just develops mismatches. He got benched because of his defense. But I hated his body language. And as Elijah pointed out, there was one time um, on TV where they had Wilcher and Tominaga side-by-side side on the bench, and you would have thought they were watching different games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a bad look, but I don't, you know, Fred's not thrown into the scrap heap. No. He knows how important yeah. he is, but Casey sometimes gets caught up in his feelings. And also when 
Kaysay doesn't have the ball in his hands because Nebraska doesn't have really that guard that gets downhill and can kick it out. Yeah. Kaysay doesn't – all of a sudden he stops moving. Some of his best games this year is when he's back to that nonstop moving. He's coming around screens. He's cutting. He's curling. And he gets the ball, and it's a catch and shoot. I look at the Northwestern game, which ironically is probably the best game that he's had in the last four. Yes. Um, I think they move him right back out there. But if he can't play defense, I don't care if he's hitting, you know, three after three. If he can't play defense – Man, he's going to have a hard time staying on the floor, especially in crunch time. And he, you know, he's he's sick of getting bumped and bruised and you know shouldered yeah. with with his cuts. And that and and that's where it comes to okay, maybe you don't have to have constant movement, but our guys getting him the ball. You know, the Rutgers game at the end of regulation, they drew up some plays, especially for him. Mass just was slow in passing the ball or didn't pass the ball. You know, Mass was much better at moving the basketball around the other night. Um, I don't know. He's, he's one to watch because Nebraska needs him. Okay. Mm-hmm. They need that outside shooting for a team that doesn't consistently just bang three after three after three. And you never know is Williams and mass going to be the same that they were on Thursday night on the road. I'll just, I'll just be very curious on his body language, of course. And then if he gets going early against uh, Illinois, because Nebraska is going to have to, they're going to have to find a way to keep their head above water to stay in that game because I think Illinois will come out and just firing. Late Sunday, student section, place will be fired up. Illinois has got Shannon who has fit right back in, and they look like a juggernaut. You know, you don't want that game to go south, you know, too soon. Nebraska could, could play their ass off. And still lose by 15. Yeah, <laughs> defensively, energy and intensity-wise, and, and shoot like they did against Wisconsin and still get smoked. Yeah, but, but you would say, okay, yeah, not many, look. People, not many people are going to go into champagne and win, but you're right. How did it look? That's the, that's the thing is, all right, does it look different from last Saturday against Maryland? Yeah, it's got to. It you looked know? like garbage against Maryland. It looked like garbage against Rutgers. And then you, you just didn't finish the job with Minnesota. Yeah. And, the, the, and they just didn't have any de- – Wisconsin, offensively, they were fine. They just had no answer defensively. I mean, Wisconsin didn't score 85 against any yeah. – you know, that, that's not them offensively. They looked like the freaking Showtime Lakers. 50-50 balls. You know, their, their yes. athleticism all of a sudden isn't going to get fixed. And it, it seems to get magnified on the road when guys are grabbing offensive rebounds. And they're going to have to rebound well. But the 50-50 balls, you know, you look at the, some of these road games, they haven't won those. What did they do on – Thursday night when they started to make a comeback. Any 50-50 ball, they were beating Wisconsin in the second half. It wasn't Hepburn mm-hmm. that was on the floor or, or anybody else that was grabbing that offensive rebound that was up for a fair game. They need, they need that tomorrow. Um, we'll watch and we'll, we'll go, oh, I guess Nebraska's not going to be in the tournament. But I think, I, think they've got a, I think they've got a place now. They just need not to play themselves out of the tournament. Sure. Sharpie will, uh, again, be up in an hour. Sportsbook roadie. Uh, for the weekend edition, I hey, love it. I, I have one more thing. I know I'm no, the one good. doing. Hey, one more. No, thing. no, 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 no. You're good. I have got you nothing guys, better to do for the next six hey, hours. Hey, have you guys? <laughs> have you guys? So um, next Sunday, we're gonna, you know, we'll have the Super Bowl. But Caitlin Clark comes to town, and she could set the all-time scoring record. Do you know you? You guys ought to look at the props that are out there for when she's gonna score her record-setting point. There, there is like if you go to FanDuel. There is a list of props on Caitlin Clark for the Nebraska game next week. If that's if she averages what thirty four point seven in the next two games, she'll have a chance to break it in Lincoln. Buddy Iowa Russ is going to that one, and he got in I don't know months ago to to get seats for it, and 
because he's he grew up just outside of Iowa City, and it's hard as hell to see her in yeah. Iowa City. And he's like, "This is my shot to see her." And um, it's the most expensive ticket it's for a nuts. basketball game in PBA on the secondary market. What's the number at now? Uh, your get-in price, if you want to sit in the three hundred level, is about three hundred and forty dollars. My lord. Iowa Russ may be selling that, and we may be going to the bar. <laughs> you know, you know what I envision. I envision a lot of Nebraska fans. Mom and Dad will come in Husker gear. Their their daughters will come dressed in a twenty two Iowa jersey, for sure. Can yeah. I? Is there a line, Gary, out there for Nebraska winning and Caitlin Clark getting trucked again after the game yeah. on the court? Is that part of the prop? Can I bet on that? Hey, that would that would ruin a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, for Nebraska to win that basketball game, I mean, Nebraska needs a Nebraska needs to add to their resume on the women's side as well. Even though they're mm-hmm. looks like they're an eight or a nine. Yeah, and we have history no. next week. Showtime, Super Bowl should be good. Well, and you have I, I guarantee you will have a lot of celebrities will be in the building to support Nebraska on that day. That'll be big. Uh, any any hints? Any any celebrities reach? Well, you know out that to Dylan Raiola will be there. Well, of course. Matt Rule, who will be there, who still has not taken down his tweet about the officials from Thursday night, which is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for the Big Ten like to call up Trev and go, hey, you got to tell your football coach to delete that tweet. Is there going to be a GoFundMe for, uh, for, for a fine for Matt, Rule like, Matt Rule, like old Chris Collins got? He left room for plausible deniability. He was <laughs> tweeting about Madden like he was playing his son Madden, something garbage <laughs> happened. He's got plausible deniability. He's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way to phrase it. Uh, that's the next episode. Next week, Big Ten officiating. Go. <laughs> well, it was, it was good to see that uh, Isaiah Pacheco's dad was working the game the other night. Oh, Lord. Uh, oh, the high, old high knees? Jeffrey old Anderson, Jeffrey, who, yeah. <laughs> who is uh, not well liked in the Big East. He's not working as many Big East games this year, so he shows up in the Big Ten. Uh-huh. And, and next year it's, hey, look, Jeffrey's off to the pack too. <laughs> hey, Jeffrey inspired me. I'm bringing high knees to the baseball diamond this spring. When I'm, when I'm making my way from first base to second base on a, on a double to the gap, you better believe I'm going high knees all the way over. Don't do it. Just, just. <laughs> hey, so when you get done, with the, uh, when you get done with the um, uh, plate meeting and you're working the bases, that's how you should run down the line to, your position behind first base. High knees. There's no walking on the baseball diamond once that game gets going. If you're out yeah. there, show some hustle. Roger, I'm going high knees, baby. Roger, Roger Craig tribute. Sharpie, appreciate you much. Great, great recall there. Yeah, Roger Craig's high knees were impressive. Dude, he is the best. I loved the the Niner big red backfield. Rathman hey, and Craig and he's one of the best fullbacks. He's one of the best fullbacks Nebraska's ever had. Uh-huh. He was. <laughs> he was a fullback with the Niners his first two years, too. I mean, Mike Rogier pushed him to be a fullback. Think about Craig and Rogier on the same roster. Think about the freshman team in 1980 that beat the hell out of the uh, the varsity. Yeah. Gil Fryer Rogier. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. You, you I, miss about- those, I miss those days of freshman. Remington. Football. Yeah. Oh God. Nine cooler. <laughs> you, you, you talk about the uh, the high knees of Roger Craig, though. And I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, uh, we had uh, Slick Steel. Uh, rest in peace to, to Slick. He was a, a middle school football coach for us at the Union Bank Midget football team. And he'd always talk about Roger Craig's high knees saying, like, if you tried to go low on Roger Craig, you're going home with a concussion. So, because you just get a knee to the jaw. 
Slick was uh, wide out, wasn't he, for mm-hmm. Nebraska? Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, hey, wouldn't it be nice? You know, they've though. done a good job of of opening up the door for former alums. Wouldn't it be nice to have a spring where you have a Rathman and Craig appearance in the stadium? It'd be good. We we talked to to Tom more more often uh, than we we should. <laughs> Coach is awesome. Uh, last time he was at a Home Depot returning his daughter's vanity uh and uh, i think he he uh, lived just down the road from tom brady so he knew tom tommy as he calls him uh but but rathman just he he gets back to grand island he tells us um you know a couple times a year and then roger we talk with with roger's brother he'll he'll listen and call in he's an over-the-road trucker and uh you know it just sucks for roger to not be in yet yeah, the Hall of Fame. Well, it's, it's 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 just brutal, and I know we're a little bit homered with well, uh, no, no, how, much, was, how much we we love, was, but his numbers his numbers yeah. are legit, yeah. and he was the first, you know, one thousand yard receiver rusher. I mean, Marshall Falk's in. Yeah, he was before his time, big time. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we'll see if uh, RC can can get the the veterans in. So. Sharpie, appreciate you, brother. I always love these chats, man. Thanks Thank for you. waking up with us. Thank you. It's so much better without Cranick. <laughs> Cranick's on assignment. Again, finding that five-star wide receiver somewhere in this country. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a great week. See you, Sharpie. Talk to you soon. All right, that'll do it for the weekend edition. Hail Varsity, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. Uh, subscribe, tell a buddy, give us a rating. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with uh, the Hail Varsity pod. And Hail Varsity YouTube. Check that channel out. Subscribe. KFOR Facebook. KFOR Twitter. And uh, you guys are awesome in the stream. Thanks so much for waking up here with us on Saturday morning. Elijah, have a good weekend. We'll uh, maybe clink a glass here later. And uh, we'll be back at you Monday at 4 on Hail Varsity powered by Cornhead Lager. Heard at Sports Radio, every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio.